I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to Music in My Life with me, Laura Wright. It's the show where we talk about the music we love so much, our relationship with that music and the role it plays in our life. What is it about music that taps into our emotions and why does it make us feel a certain way? Georgina Lamb is the current CEO of the David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation. DSWF is a wildlife conservation charity funding key conservation projects across Africa and Asia. In recent years, Georgina has led the programs and policy team supporting global investigations and ground-based conservation efforts to tackle the illegal wildlife trade. Now in her role as new CEO, she intends to expand on and stay true to the foundation's strong art heritage, which I love. And of course, founder David Shepherd, her grandfather, his iconic paintings are of course loved throughout the world. And they, in fact, are part of the Artist of the Year event that's become a noteworthy date in the annual art calendar. And I'm lucky enough to call this week's guest one of my closest friends. She's one of my absolute favorite humans in the world. Um, And many who know her, in fact, you, Peanut, will know that your nickname is a little bit different. But should we should we get it out of the way now that if I refer to you as Peanut, it's not me going mad. It's just that that's, in fact, what your loved ones call you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Laura. Um, I tend to only use Georgina when I'm trying to be a grown-up, which is not often. So uh, it, is, it is Peanut known to, known to most people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think in terms of, you know, welcome, of course, welcome to the podcast, first and foremost. But of course, I Thank mentioned you. briefly about the charity and your new role there. But maybe you can expand a little bit on, you know, of course, how you became involved and, and your family history, I guess, for people who might not know uh, within the world of conservation. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on. It's such a a pleasure and a privilege. Um, I think for me, I'm that annoying person that gets to say that I'm doing my dream job, um, which is just you know, something I feel very lucky to, to do. It's it's a family organisation that was set up by my grandfather uh, over 36 years ago now. And it was mainly just his passion and absolute commitment to give back to the wildlife that he felt he owed a debt due to his uh, success as an artist. And he was seeing what was going on across Africa with the poaching crisis and, and species being driven to the brink of extinction. And he just felt that he had to do something about it and art and you know, his creativity was a wonderful way of, of him being able to repay that debt. And it's something, as you mentioned, you know, that still lives through the foundation 36 years later, um, as art and, and those creative platforms are one of our biggest ways of not just raising funds, but also telling stories and sharing with people, sometimes the challenges that are going on, but also sharing and highlighting the hope of why we're doing what we're doing. 
And I suppose, you know, um, speaking of, of that kind of platform, in, in many ways, you know, your family has just been intrinsically involved in both the roles of, that the arts have played and, of course, as you mentioned, the, the world of conservation. And in fact, your, your sister, Emily, as well, that we should mention is the most incredible, incredible artist. Um, <laughs> her work is, I think, some of the most expressive that I think I've ever seen and so emotive as well. And she's an art ambassador, that's right, isn't it, for the, for the foundation now. And do you, do you find that that's quite nice, feeling like, you know, they say never work with family, but that's completely the opposite. <laughs> it in this case well, isn't it I think we say never work with family and never work with animals so um, yes exactly <laughs> both, but, um no I mean it's absolutely it's it's a wonderful thing that not only are we carrying on kind of granddad's conservation heritage but it's that art thing as well and as, as you said Emily my sister is one of the most talented wildlife artists and you know I'm not biased that is genuinely just she really is and I think you know she's she's exactly the same as granddad she has been you know incredibly lucky to have visited a lot of these places and and the people um who who do the kind of ground-based conservation work and, and a lot of the brave men and women who are you know quite literally fighting on the front line of conservation so she feels that deeply and her way of expressing it is through her art and it it translates on the canvas into something that everyone just feels this deep emotional connection with because it's it's colorful it's powerful it's emotive and there's so many layers to it um so i feel I, I love working um, with family and my auntie is an artist and she's involved um, as is as is the rest of the family. So it's it's a real privilege that that works as well, because <laughs> as you said, not always does it do, um, you know, there can sometimes be tricky bits around that. But we are very lucky that we all feel so passionate about the natural world and the need to conserve some of these incredible species that we share our home with. Absolutely. And also talking about, you know, we can't not mention the year that everyone is experiencing and how, you know, so many people are, you know, have found this year tough and and have had ups and downs, myself included. And with that, I suppose, have you noticed in your in your world through your job as well? Has there been a kind of a wider appreciation or perhaps sort of more intrigue into the natural world and and perhaps just looking inwards a little bit more? Have you have you found that? Have you felt that from your supporters and, and have you gained new supporters through that too? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent, Laura. I think for us you know, and me personally, for us as an organisation, I think during this year, which has been so difficult, the natural world and even just, you know, the outdoors and being able to go for a walk, it's been a saving grace for so many people when we have been, you know, quite literally confined and, and caged um, in our homes to, to be able to go out and go for a walk or go to a run or go and sit in a park or, you know, just to be able to in the summer to go and see the trees and the flowers. I think it was such a wonderful way of people feeling like there was still so much hope and for us the natural world and the beautiful wilderness areas that we work it just it, it it's created an opportunity where people are so much more aware of our relationship with the natural world and our need to protect and, and fight much harder to keep her safe you know the whole pandemic was born as a result of the overexploitation of of wildlife from wet markets and wildlife markets in asia and that's where it started and yet nature has been the recovery that so many people needed so for us there's a huge opportunity of people who have suddenly started looking at the world and the natural world in a in a far more kind of gentle and appreciative way and and that for us has, has granted huge opportunity and with lockdown I think it's been you know if we're looking at silver linings and, and trying to stay positive in quite difficult times 
it's meant that we've had a far more captive audience. So people have had more time to stop and learn and absorb and, you know, the wonderful kind of David Attenborough effect where people have felt stirred and motivated to to either learn more or to donate or to get involved because they've had the time that whether it's, you know, a lot of the time being forced to just stop and and really just look at how beautiful our world is and, and how important it is that that we put more energy, effort and and focus on on protecting the natural world and all the species that call home. Absolutely. And yeah, I think I agree with you. And also I feel like this sort of sense that we're all quite fragile and vulnerable, you know, at the at the end of it all and and how actually we can find that sense of of comfort um from feeling like we can move as you say you know in wide open spaces that for me and my family has been absolute savior and I even noticed with my daughter being so young but her appreciation just for the outdoors she's just amazed by it and I always look at her and think you know to have that kind of simple outlook just to appreciate the simple things that actually are so wonderful and incredible it's just I I I look at her and think I have to take some of that from her and I have to keep that in my mind as well because we just get so bogged down I think in how uh, fast life can be and I think in some ways this year has has made us slow down and Mm. of course you know there's lots of trials and tribulations that have come with that and it has been hard for so many of us but also there comes that greater appreciation of of slowing down and, and looking around us and looking up and I remember someone said to me once when I first moved to London I think it was one of my brothers said you know just don't forget to occasionally just look up and I found that just such a strange thing but then when I felt sort of I don't know like the world was weighing heavy on my shoulders on you know some days I would look up and I just see the green and the nature and and the world around me and it was just really lovely to sort of keep that in mind I suppose and um we're talking about, you know, maybe we should actually talk as well about me mentioning that you're one of my absolute favorite humans. We have known each <laughs> other uh, for a few years and perhaps we can both, I don't know, dip in and out of explaining the journey of how we met because I'd sort of unknowingly involved myself in some insanely crazy charity expedition with the David Shepherd Wildlife Foundation. And then I was introduced to you and I thought, oh my goodness, okay, well, I can do this if if Peanut's coming along on this journey. <laughs> you were, you <laughs> were far better than you, though. You, you decided to ride a bike across Zambia. I drove the support car. So <laughs> you definitely took the braver option going through a national park on two wheels, not four. So. <laughs> I, re- I remember realizing that we were one of the same in terms of our personalities as I, dr- I cycled past at a point where I think I had, you know, very little energy left and there was the greatest showman belting out from the support vehicle. And I thought, she knows how to keep me going. <laughs> we only had, I think uh, we had lost signal at all stages because we were in such remote areas. And the only soundtrack that some one of us had downloaded on our phone was the greatest showman. So we all became intimately involved with every single word of <laughs> lyric after kind of days and days of just listening to it on repeat but me belting it out of the car was not quite the same as you belting it out on the bike cycling past (laughs) yeah (laughs) but I suppose as well you know I felt and I do still feel I look back on that time with such fondness and also so I felt so lucky to have done something like that and to have had that experience and to see as you talk about you know in your own work as well the kind of ground-based conservation efforts that are continually going on and I wonder from your point of view what 
what can you say to people to to get them to feel that but of course we don't all have that opportunity to go to those places especially at the moment you know the idea of traveling feels so far away um how do we get around that how do we get people to be enthused about you know what's beyond us in our own little bubble I suppose yeah a hundred percent and I think you know it, it it, it is really difficult because when you do see it and you feel it, which is, you know, one of the most privileged things you can do, it it, it just connects you in a way that you wouldn't otherwise have. But that's where I think, you know, art and, you know, any type of creative platform, it's a way of connecting people because it, it, it takes you and transports you to the sounds, to the smell, to the colours, which I think helps paint a picture of, of some of the challenges that these people are facing. You know, I remember you, me and Harry talking about it was it was so much the people that made the trip for us and those incredible people that we met along the way. And people sometimes assume that the work we do is all about wildlife, but people are at the heart of conservation. And especially this year, we think we've had it tough over here. But when you look at how the collapse of the tourist economy, for example, overnight in, in Africa and Asia and some of the places that we work, devastating impact on people's livelihoods where they've just been taken away from them. And you know, tourism is a wonderful way of people connecting and being able to go and see these places. So therefore, they feel a natural affinity, but that's just suddenly gone. Um, And that doesn't mean that we can then just close our eyes and forget that these people still live there. They're still going through one of the most challenging times um, in a way that we would never even understand. And of course, you know, when you're just simply trying to stay alive and to feed your family, of course, you, you automatically would look at, for example, wildlife as a way of sustaining that or, you know, illegal activities that are going to pay when you have no other option. And I think it's really important that we do, as you were saying, you know, we we somehow find a way to make sure that these stories and these people and these wildlife and these incredible wilderness areas stay at the forefront of people's minds. Because if we're not able to celebrate and, and share their stories and and help empower those communities, then not only do they suffer, but the areas that we've put on a pedestal, whether we're watching it through, you know, the incredible Living Planet series or any of the, you know, beautiful wildlife documentaries that we see, you know, they suffer as well. And I think that's where, you know, people like, for example, David Attenborough, whether it's my grandfather through his, you know, more static but visual work, have been amazing at connecting people. Because I think, you know, you're saying about your your daughter, you know, she would have never been to Africa, but yet kids have a natural affinity to animals. They're just drawn to them. And yet a lot of people have never, you know, you won't have seen, I've never seen, you know, a snow leopard, for example, but you still grow up from an early stage, just loving and adoring wildlife and animals. And I think it's trying to understand where, where we kind of stop, at what point in our development do we stop that? And therefore, you know, how do we reconnect people so we still see them in such a beautiful, wonderful pristine way that needs to be protected not seen as a product or a way of making money and I think that's where it is so important to try and get people to connect and whether that is through watching documentaries or or bringing people live content with the advent of technology Um, it's amazing now what we have been able to bring to our supporters for example as stories from the field or you know those kind of wonderful insights into people's lives that you can now stream across you know into people's phones and 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 laptops in the evening when they are during lockdown so whilst it's not the same as being able to go in you know in person which a lot of people will never have the opportunity to do there's an incredible way of being able to connect and and still be a part of that whole conservation and, and kind of development piece 
Definitely. And I think I completely agree with you. And when when I was there, in fact, I wasn't quite sure how I was going to feel like I could contribute in some way or, or connect in some way with the people that we met on that journey. And I have to say, for me, it was the fact that the gift of music connected us and, and you about, you know, exactly how um, the arts in general, I guess, as well, and particularly art for, in terms of linking to DSWF. But I think, you know, this, of course, this podcast that so, I'm so passionate about the stories behind music and you talk about, you know, the people that the David Attenboroughs of the world today and, and hopefully lots of younger generations who will be the next of that kind. And actually for me, when I watch those things, the music is so emotive as well that that's part of creating that sort of package to then reach the person who's I don't know sat on the sofa who who doesn't know the story about a painted dog or or a pangolin or you know the things that you are so passionate about as well and I wonder for you growing up I'm I'm sure so many people would be interested to know was was art and music was it all around you or was art the kind of at the forefront and music was alongside were they intertwined you know what what was it like for you growing up was it just constant there yeah I think it always has been in the background I think it's just it's art and music have always been something whether it is you know it sounds silly but whether it's been long car journeys in Africa seeing the projects as you know I was very lucky that I used to as a kid I would kind of tag along with my mum who ran the foundation for 25 years and when she was working we just got in the back of the land over and, and drove huge distances across Africa and there was always you know, a slightly, you know, an old cassette where we had to wind it up and make sure that that brown sticky tape wasn't sticking out the edges. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, that, that was always playing in the background. And likewise with the art, I we've always lived in houses or our family homes have, you know, there's there's no wall space left because it's it's, it's stuck with colour and stories. And, and for us, that's been a way of, you know, when we, when we work and our office based in the UK, but still feeling like we're deeply connected some of the places that we love so much and is a second home to us is is you are instantly transported and I think you know as you were saying for you on the trip that we did in Zambia it was so wonderful to we'd go into a community where you know English isn't necessarily the first language and you know you have those natural barriers and the moment you started singing and I, I you know I have visions and I still have this vivid memory of you know it was amazing grace that you would start singing and suddenly everyone knew the words and joined in and whether it was the wildlife rangers whether it was the community schools whether it was the women group it just created this sense it broke down those barriers and I think for me that's something that I've seen I've been lucky to witness as a kid it's the same with art you know growing up in a very artistic family is the moment as a whether you're a child or a teenager you know you might be awkward or you might find conversation difficult or those social cues but the moment you give someone a piece of paper and some paints and some coloring you know it just breaks down those barriers because you can communicate in a different way and it's the same with with songs I think it's always been such a present thing in my life but it's almost something you kind of take for granted and it's wonderful to be on a podcast like this Laura where it kind of forces you to remember and really think about actually how important that soundtrack to your life has been. Definitely. So many guests as well say, yeah, they had to really, it was a struggle, I think, to choose the kind of songs. And I suppose, um, as you will have known, you know, I send each of my guests eight questions and and you've chosen four of those questions and four songs. And and it is so true that if someone said to you, you know, what's your favorite piece of music? It's not even a question that you can answer. Um, But we're going to attempt to go through uh, some of those choices for you. And I think we'll jump straight into this first one, which is a song that reminds you of good times. 
it's a Ben Howard song called Keep Your Head Up. I love this song so much and I just think it's the most comforting sound to listen to his voice. But tell me for you personally, what does it mean and, and why does it remind you of good times? I remember it was more about where I first heard it. And for those people who know me know that I am terrible in the mornings and I am awful <laughs> in the cold. And I was down in Cornwall with my sister um, and for some reason despite hating the cold and early mornings for birthday, she organized as a surprise that we'd get up at five o'clock in the morning. We would trundle down in her beaten up old van to the, to the, to the coast and to the beach where I was presented with two wetsuits because she knew I would complain bitterly if I was only wearing wets one. So I couldn't even bend my arms. I couldn't bend my legs. So I climbed into two wetsuits and she suddenly announced that we were going co-steering, which is wonderful. It's, it's a combination of where you half swim, you half climb around, you know, some kind of very rugged coast and it was the most wonderful morning and it was, everything was out of my comfort zone. I, you know, but you kind of, I forgot the cold and I forgot the fact that it was five o'clock in the morning. And afterwards we went and found this lovely little um, kind of farm cafe, eco cafe afterwards to kind of warm up. And it was on playing on the radio and it was with my sister. And we just had this wonderful morning with a great friend of ours called Ollie who joined us. And I just remember hearing it and it just summed up everything, despite the combination of things which I normally would have hated. I just remember just feeling so happy and just at peace and just with my favourite people in one of my favourite places, having done something wonderful that was outdoor and and I just remember hearing it and it's stuck with me ever since as just this wonderful memory of just total contentness and happiness. And every time I hear it now, it just reminds me of Cornwall, the sea, being outside, family, friends, and I can't help but smile. And I know, you know, it's sometimes with songs when you hear them so often on the radio, you can sometimes kind of fall out of love with them. But every time it comes on on my playlist, I just it just makes me smile. And I'm instantly transported back to five o'clock in the morning wearing two wetsuits you know, trying to desperately not drown in the ocean. Um, but hearing it afterwards and being so happy. <laughs> I don't even know how I'd even swim in two wetsuits. I'm impressed that you can get two wetsuits on. <laughs> I wouldn't call it swimming. I was more like a flailing seal. But uh, <laughs> More you know. to the point, how how did you get them off as well? I find it so oh. frustrating trying to get a wetsuit off, let alone two of them. <laughs> By that stage, you know, when you're, you're laughing so much that you're just kind of rolling around on the floor, I think I just ended up wiggling out of them. Like when you put in jeans that are too tight from the wash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's what a gorgeous memory to have though. And, and such a wonderful song to have it with. Let's, uh, let's have a little listen to some of Ben Howard's Keep Your Head Up. so gorgeous did it take you back there yeah I was just you know bobbing away <laughs> I was bobbing yeah I was doing a little bit of bobbing I suppose as well you know the words keep your keep your head up yeah. keep your heart strong keep your mindset they are actually really beautiful words as well and I wonder whether did any of those words kind of is that what made you listen up to the song or was it just the overall kind of sensation of that inner kind of happiness I guess after such a great day I think the words 100% added to it because it, it's just a beautiful, wonderful way of kind of just reminding people. Sometimes you do have to just stop and just remember those things and go, 
you know, I, I, I think it was a total combination of his voice, the words and the meaning behind it. I love songs where there's, you know, that kind of meaning behind it. Um, and so, yeah, it was definitely a combination of, of, of everything about it that I just loved. And I suppose also in your role, people perhaps, I don't know if you get asked this a lot, but do you ever find as well that you have to kind of stick the path that you're on? Because, you know, in your role, you're often trying to show people something or perhaps even change people's minds or change people's perceptions. Do you ever get kind of, I don't not frustrated, but maybe exhausted by it all as well? Yeah. And I think, you know, that's where those lyrics about, you know, keep your heart strong. I think so long as you know, you know, I just, if I ever have frustrations or, you know, when you are trying to talk to people who maybe have a different view on things or mm. you're trying to raise awareness for something that is a difficult or an uncomfortable conversation. I think so long as you know that you are absolutely committed to doing the right thing. And for us, knowing that the message that we're talking about and telling these stories of some of these incredible men and women on the front line, whether they're from Zambia, whether they're in Mongolia, Kyrgyzstan or Uganda or Zambia, you know, Zimbabwe, wherever we work, it's it just reminds me that whenever you have those doubts and you just remember the people who are the ones who are doing the hard job. We have the easiest job in the world where we are. You know, it's the ones who are on the front line. And I think as long as you can remember and stay true to what our mission and our goal is, it makes it so much easier to to just overcome that doubt or those sometimes overwhelming feelings. And I think, you know, I was talking to someone yesterday about eco-anxiety, which is a real thing because we get so overwhelmed with the state of the world you know it's quite depressing in terms of what we hear and especially in our sector it's 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 90 percent bad news and it's very rarely good news when you suddenly say you know species populations are recovering and I think so long as you can just you know keep your head up and your heart strong I think is it is it's a really wonderful way of just reminding yourselves of why we are fighting hard why we're working hard and and why we're doing what we're doing because we don't really have any other choice. Definitely. And actually, if I read through the first part of these lyrics as well, there's, there is mention of swimming. There isn't mention of two wetsuits, but <laughs> it does say, <laughs> I spent my time watching the spaces that have grown between us and I cut my mind on second best. Oh, the scars that have come with the greenness. And I gave my eyes to the boredom. Still, the seabed wouldn't let me in. And I try my best to embrace the darkness in which I swim. And it's just like it really beautiful lyrics. And I suppose mm. as well, I haven't I haven't actually ever paid really close attention to this. I've just always loved his voice and also the simplicity in the way that he performs. And I wonder whether perhaps subconsciously those lyrics were maybe more important than you even realized at the time as how how perfect that moment was. And um, yeah, what a, what a lovely memory to have. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this next one is a song that screams family for you. I definitely didn't expect you to choose this song. I'm so excited to hear the story behind it. So let's talk about Eagle's life in the fast lane. This is so good. <laughs> I feel very lucky that I've got a um, wonderful family. I always almost feel slightly guilty just saying how lucky I've been growing up, being surrounded by just utter love and affection between my mum dad and my sister we're the strongest unit you could probably find but my family are also quite mad in a wonderful way and so I just have these visions of when I was a kid we used to have these double doors that kind of opened up onto you know patio and mum and dad have always been quite weird and wacky um they're not you know conservative or overly kind of traditional parents as such you know they've been very um encouraging of 
just total free spirit. And I just remember the, there's a couple of songs, but this is the one that kind of always stood out is mum would be in the kitchen doing what we used to call her mum bum wiggle dance, which is <laughs> no other way to kind of describe it. And dad would be like just jumping around doing like air guitar or something stupid. And Emily and I just as kid, we just, this was just the kind of soundtrack and we'd have it on so loud and we'd all either just be in the garden or we'd be dancing around the kitchen like lunatics and there's something about it. There's one, there's a couple of lyrics in it, despite it being quite a, probably not a song you'd normally play with kids. Um, there's one where it says, um, I think it's, she was brutally handsome and he was, oh no, sorry, he was brutally handsome and she was terminally pretty. And it's just always stuck. Me and my dad have always just said, what a great line. It's just, there's something really gritty about it that I love. It just, there's a kind of reality to just going, you know what, life can be mad and crazy and wonderful and out of control and that's okay. And it kind of just to me sums up, you know, whether we were, you know, whether we were dancing in the kitchen or, you know, we used to holiday in Scotland um, as kids and, you know, on our long journeys, we would just have the moment this would come on, we'd learn all the lyrics. And again, probably not the type of lyrics you want to be singing as as a, you know, a teenager, but we would just all sing at the top of our lungs wherever we were. And every time we still hear it, it just, we all just automatically all think of our unit, the four of us. And it's just, it just, to me, screams family. So it's definitely something that you'd have not in headphones. This is like a blaring out of a stereo or a speaker really loud. A hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. And (laughs) and do you, do you have it on one of your playlists? Like, or is it something that you purely would listen to just surrounded by family? Do you think? No, it is. It's on my, it's on my playlist. Um, I definitely, it is, it's just, it is one of those soundtracks. It's, there's a couple of songs that just, that just instantly transport me back to sunny days in the garden, in the kitchen, just with my family. And this is, this is one of it. And I think, you know, also, you know, as uh, I think, you know, I look at my parents and I like, you know, we, 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 we've been wonderfully lucky, but, you know, life, you do kind of live in the fast lane. And, and sometimes I think it is, we've always been encouraged to take risks, you know, not obviously the type of risks that they talk about necessarily in the song, but I think it means more in terms of, you know, push the boundaries, be brave, be bold, and just, you know, grab life with both hands and, and just go for it. And there's something about that kind of grittiness of this song that just always I feel kind of really empowered that I just know I've got that support behind me to go you know what make a brave decision it might be totally not in the slow lane where everyone else is but if you're not brave you're not going to ever kind of achieve anything and and that to me is what this song I think sums up definitely I love that let's have a listen to some of it now and I'm going to do my best bum wiggle dance as well while we're listening so let's listen to Eagles life in the fast lane I don't want it to stop. <laughs> so good. It, don't you? <laughs> yeah. And actually, it's so true. You can't listen to that song without doing some sort of air guitar. And there's the, the, I found it really interesting while looking into this song. So it was released way back in 1976 from the album Hotel California and just mm-hmm. a great album as well. Um, but the uh, guitarist Joe Walsh was actually warming up on stage and he did that down, 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 down. That's very technical from me there, a musician <laughs> <laughs> who's warming up on 
stage and that actually became the riff for that song and I remember, I think it's sort oh. of the story allegedly is that they said no remember that 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 could be a song you know that could be a whole <laughs> song and I I love how it's been covered by lots of other artists as well but yeah. of course none as successful as the original but I love how that little riff that little tiny melody mm. a bit like we're talking about art as well it can be one small thing that then creates this whole piece of music or this whole piece of art and I love that I think it's you know you shouldn't ever kind of talk badly of someone who says oh well it was just this one hook that I heard and it created this whole song and then you listen to that and it's become this really special song you know in your life and in your family's life I wonder was it your do you think it was your mum or your dad that introduced it into the family or is it just you know you kind of it's always been there I think it was it was dad who was that who was the kind of the the biggest fan of it um I think he was so bored of listening to mum listening to kind of Tina Turner or you know, someone else like that. And he's like, right, now we're getting the Eagles in our lives. So um, that's where it was. But I totally agree on that. You know, I love the fact that that story about that's where it started and just from that riff, because actually it just shows that that is pure, you know, it, it came from somewhere that was just truly inspired. It wasn't over-engineered. It wasn't, it came from a just a deep, natural passion, which is just awesome because it just shows that there's a real kind of authenticity and genuineness to that song, which I didn't realise, which is, which is fab. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's also the fact that when that would have been recorded as well, I talk so much about these iconic songs or or bands or pieces of music that were recorded in one take as live. And that's where also then when they do translate onto a live stage, you know, there are sometimes there are things with modern artists, perhaps that you you miss because it wasn't, you know, they can be very over engineered now and, and picked apart because actually I think we as a listener can become really fussy now as well about what we listen to because there's just so much music music out there which is it's wonderful and it's amazing but sometimes it's like wow you know what if someone says kind of you used to say what type of music do you like and you're like well I don't know I like everything you know I pick and choose and isn't that amazing but I do think there's something special about songs like that that you can hear you know you can hear every instrument and there's no kind of fussiness on the levels of different things it's just like this is a great sound and music for for the pure kind of passion and love and joy of it I think yeah and and you know that now obviously years down the line for your own family one day you have to create your own bum wiggle as well (laughs) (laughs) selling a little or a lot shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage shopify is there to help you grow shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout 36 percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms because businesses that grow grow with shopify Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. 
for Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, okay, so we're, we're going to go way back even further now. And I love when you said to me about what your choice was. You're like, am I cheating a bit here? Because it's about love, but not in a romantic way. You're not cheating. That is totally allowed. And actually, that's what's great about this question is I ask about a song about a love. So it could be romantic. It could be just this overall overwhelming love for something or someone. Um, so tell me about uh, literally one of my most favorite pieces of music, Elgar uh, Nimrod from his Enigma Variations. What what does it mean to you so a hundred percent I mean this is a this is probably yeah it's a it's a deep love for me this one and for two reasons it's it was the song that I mean very different to the, <laughs> the one before but this was the song when my granddad um was painting in his studio he would have this on to the point that you thought your eardrums were going to burst and it was every time this was the song in his studio where he created his paintings and his magic and as a result, I've grown up just associating this with with my grandfather and everything that he achieved. And then subsequently, as a result of that, just deep love for family and, and all the incredible things that he created and what he did with that in terms of, you know, saving wildlife. It's translated to the fact that whenever me and my sister spend time in Africa and we do a lot of um, wonderful road trips together, this is our absolute number one on our playlist. So whenever we're going you know, we land in Africa and we get off the plane and you get that beautiful sense of just the heat as the doors opens and the smell and everything about it. But the moment you get on the road and you start heading out to the bush, this is the song that all the windows are down, we put on loud and we just sit there with tears in our eyes because not only is it a deep love for our family and for granddad who allowed us to be where we are today and, and for me to do my job now in something that I feel so deeply passionate about, but it is that deep love of Africa. This song to me, bizarrely, despite it being, you know, a very kind of, you know, English countryside scene type image, it's the song that we play because of his love and his association with Africa um, and what drove his passion to create. It's now become the song that we play whenever we're in Africa on a long car journey. We just play it and it just reminds us in such a beautiful way of just that overwhelming emotion it is one of the most emotive pieces of music I have ever heard and every time I hear it you know I tear up I can be in a I can be anywhere and I hear it and I'm either transported to my granddad's studio um just watching him create magic or I'm transported to Africa which are my two two of my favorite things on this entire planet and I think that's you know there's so many things you've said there that are just I think so probably very comforting for people to hear and and so lovely to share as well um for me, thinking about when you mentioned that you would be in your granddad's studio and we talk about, you know, how nowadays very much it's like, oh, well, you'd never have your children at work if you think about it that way. <laughs> Actually, the fact that you were exposed to his passion for what he did, is that not such a big part of now what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, we I have these wonderful childhood memories with all of my cousins who are some of my closest friends in the entire world of as kids going into this studio that for us it was it was it was like a magical place out of a fairy. I was gonna say, did it feel like sacred almost that you were let into this world? And you know, don't get me wrong, we couldn't go in, you know, at all times because he was quite, you know, he worked very you know, he was quite uh, strict with how he worked. But on the odd occasion we would we would creep up. He had this long 
tunnel. He had a tunnel built, which sounds very bizarre, from his house to his studio, which went underground. And so as kids, we loved it because we'd go down into the tunnel and we'd run shouting so we'd get all the echoes. And then we'd creep <laughs> up into this incredible old wooden beamed barn that was his studio. And we'd creep up the stairs and you'd slowly, as you were going down the tunnel, hear this song blaring out and we would creep up like little mice just poking our heads around and occasionally granddad would catch us occasionally he wouldn't but all of the times that we did we'd go in and he was just lost in this in this world of just beautiful creation and he was able to take what we all loved as kids which was these African scenes and these places to us that seemed like these far away exotic incredible places and, and paint them on a studio and said this is that song that I always associate with that and and it did it became a really special magical world that us as grandkids always used to just treasure and and really cherish that when we were allowed in the studio and when we would sit across you know going through the paintings and clambering up and down the easels and things like that it was just the most wonderful special time so it transports me back to there and it also transports me straight to Africa that's amazing oh so beautiful I've got goosebumps just hearing you talk about it let's have a listen to what is one of the greatest pieces of music I think um this is Elgar's Nimrod from his Enigma Variations I've gone. <laughs> I, you know, I had to close my eyes and take a deep breath. <laughs> oh dear! I just, oh, it is, uh, and I have to say, hearing uh, there must be so many people as well. Oh, hopefully, I'm listening fine. to that that piece of music, thinking they have such a specific memory. Like mm. I remember, I sang um, a vocal version of it when I used to sing in a group, All Angels, and we sang it at the Classical Brits. And I remember my whole body, like my whole being, when I was singing this, just feel the vibration of the live music and the musicians and the strings and I think there's something about strings whether you know the cello which we're going to talk about as well a bit later but the, the strings as a general ensemble are so emotive and powerful and then you add in the percussion and and I think that's where for me as well as someone who's studied classical music and opera I feel like I want to share that with so many more people it it's so powerful and I think you can totally see why as well your grandfather used it as like a huge source of inspiration in a way um yeah, I don't think we can't not be moved or be stirred in some way by that piece of music and I, like you said it's definitely. wonderful to think of everyone will have a different reaction to that um which is yeah. just so awesome definitely and I think for people who maybe don't know that I mean we I think we're all quite familiar with this particular piece and it's used at you know it's played at the cenotaph it's used as part of the remembrance ceremonies it was it was played at the opening of the London 2012 Olympic Games um, and it was actually part of as I mentioned there's there's 14 themes and he wrote these composed these between 1898 and 1899 and they're just they all actually interestingly have really 
um, quite simple stories behind them in the way, but also incredibly beautiful stories. And you mentioned that this reminds you of of Africa and of travel, but actually we see Elgar as, as predominantly a, a British composer, which he was, but actually he talked about the fact that he was inspired by lots of different places all over Europe, not quite as far as Africa, but he was really inspired by lots of different places, um, which I think is really interesting when you listen to the music. And this particular piece refers to um, a friend of his who essentially didn't let him give up in terms of writing music and he said you know despite any setbacks he didn't really achieve greatness um in the sense of the word until he released these enigma variations so he had lots of music he wrote and I think it's really good for people to hear that that if you are creative in some way you know your first thing that you put out into the world might not always be the most successful but it's part of your journey isn't it and I suppose Maybe that made sense to your grandfather too, with all of his incredible works. And I'm sure there's some even sketches of his now that that must be so sought after. A hundred percent. The nice thing to hear about, which I did, I didn't know that, but you know, for granddad as well. I mean, he was kicked out of art school. Um, he wasn't. You know, was he? <laughs> he has this shockingly terrible painting that he tried to get into art school with, which of some some birds, I think, over a seascape. And they, I mean, it's. I mean, I I can't paint for toffee, and it's something that I could probably have done better. Um, and he was. He genuinely wasn't a very good artist when he first started, and but he put in the time, the energy, and the effort. And there must have been times where he felt that you know should he carry on but he had a wonderful incredible teacher and he was just afforded that time and that peace and that practice to to develop and hone his skill and so to hear that and know that that was the song that you know I don't know whether he he might have probably known that and he was a huge classical fan and you know so it's lovely to kind of hear that which I didn't realize and almost kind of see the kind of parallels between the two which is wonderful. Definitely. And as I mentioned earlier about, you know, the the emotive kind of sound of strings as well, this next piece, which you've chosen, it's a, a song that's always been with you. This is specifically um, by, well, it's by the American cellist Yo-Yo Ma playing Gabriel's oboe, which of course is by uh, composer Ennio Morricone. So tell me why this specific version and, and why has it been sort of a piece that's always been with you? this one was the hardest one in terms of it's just always been my absolute favorite piece of music and I'm not sure why I don't know if I can't necessarily think of a time when it it wasn't my favorite piece of music um and it just always it's always been that kind of song in my life that if I'm feeling sad if I'm feeling happy I always say if I get married or if I die you know I want it at my wedding my funeral it's just that piece of music that to me you know, I know we at the beginning, you know, you said how difficult it is if someone says, what is your favourite piece of music? But oddly, th- this is always my art. This, this is it. Um, I don't think I've ever heard a piece, you know, I can feel and hear other pieces of music that I feel, you know, that give me a different reaction. You know, they'll make me instantly happy or instantly sad or, you know, feeling strong or powerful. But for some reason, this has just always been that absolute piece of music that just, just gets me deep inside it just does something to my heart and my soul that I I almost can't put into words but it's just always been that that theme tune through my life that I just love and adore and like I said you know whether I'm blissfully happy or whether I'm sad it's it's just one of those pieces of music that I think it just takes me away from sometimes the kind of the normalness of life it, it, I can close my eyes and listen to this and I'm just transported into almost a kind of meditative place where everything seems okay and it just is a it has just this beautifully natural calming effect um 
and I think that's why it's always been it's always been with me and it is one of the for me the most important piece of music in, in my life I think Definitely. And what an incredible cellist as well to have playing this theme. It just, and I mean, yeah. he's 65 years now and the man has 18 Grammy Awards and I'm sure there's <laughs> many more to come his way. Um, so before we talk some more, let's listen to Yo-Yo Ma playing Gabriel's Oboe by Ennio Morricone. Do you know what I have to tell you as well is that I had um, so people might know this piece as well as something called Nella Fantasia. So there was a vocal version song with the lyrics and the lyrics were written by Chiara Farrell. But I had this song as my wedding entrance song as well. So <laughs> it is my absolute favorite song. Yeah. And then I said to my husband, Harris, like, look, look what Peanuts chosen. Oh, my goodness. And then he said, oh, what? And I was like, do you not remember? <laughs> I hope you lied and said yes, darling. Yeah, exactly. Did the old, you know, nod and yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah totally. Of course. What are you talking about? So it obviously means more to me than uh, than to him. But there we go. I think we split the music for the wedding and I got to choose this one. So I agree with you, Pina. It's one of the most beautiful pieces of music. Um, and I, I've actually, I'm going to admit this as well. I've never watched the film The Mission. Have you? Um, no. Yeah, see, <laughs> this is the thing. Terrible thing, considering it is you know, having wax lyrical about why this is such an important piece of music. But it's, it, yeah, I've never, I'd, I'd, I'd never heard it from watching the film. I never watched the film and went, oh my goodness, I've got to go and find that piece of music. It was, it just, I don't know when or where it came into my life, but no, I, I haven't watched the film, but I will. Well, I will no, me too. I know. <laughs> and I said the same. <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, exactly. When we're allowed, it's a movie night watching the mission and you can see Liam Neeson who you wouldn't even recognize him. He looks so young. Um, <laughs> but of course that's, you know, I think that's the thing as well is that these soundtracks, often the music is taken out of context from mm. a film and then it becomes this incredible piece in its own right. Um, and what I found really interesting as well, because I was reading more about Yo-Yo Ma, and he um, he formed his own, it was called the Silk Road Ensemble. And it followed the trade route, which is about, you know, over 2000 years, this has been yeah. used for trade across Europe and Asia to China. And he wanted to bring together musicians from really diverse places and countries, but all that were historically linked via the Silk Road. And I just thought, actually, it's funny that I feel like that's something that you would absolutely adore as an idea. And he's, you know, someone who's playing your favorite piece of music. I didn't know if you knew that. But no, I, it I, didn't, I didn't, but it makes it even more, it just, you can't, I've got a beaming smile, it's the same as a podcast, but um, <laughs> in terms of it, it, that's a lovely, lovely thing that's just made it even more special because, yeah, that, that just journeying concept behind it is is wonderful definitely definitely um okay so I I can't believe we're at this point already it's gone so quickly <laughs> chatting to you but um I make a song suggestion for you based on the songs that we've talked about today and I always I always say this I get really nervous about this because I feel there's quite a lot of pressure <laughs> <laughs> um yeah exactly so I've um sneakily I've kind of chosen they, they aren't two songs but one is a precursor to the song that I'd like to play and I want to um play a section of each for you now and they're by uh 
Peter Gabriel and it's from his album New Blood which was released back in 2011 um and there's a track on the album before this song called A Quiet Moment and it reminded me of something that you did that I thought was incredibly powerful and which perhaps you can talk a little bit about um where this piece of music on the album is simply just the sounds of nature and it was just this really beautiful moment and I thought I'd already chosen this piece of music for you and it's a um, an older song of his re-release but with orchestra behind it so I thought it brought together the kind of fun uh, kind of I don't know gruff voice which we talked about maybe relating back to the Eagles um and of course Ben Howard as well but then also bringing together your you know your clear love of of classical music too but do you want to say a little bit about what what you did at one of the David Shepherd wildlife balls I think it was last year wasn't it but I found it incredibly powerful <laughs> oh thanks Laura yeah we had a we had a um a fundraising dinner in London last year and I was asked to, you know, at some point stand up and, and talk to people about why we were asking them to to contribute and to follow, you know, along with our work and our cause. And I think we started off by playing um, some incredible audio that a, a fantastic photographer and, and friend of mine who's one of Africa's top uh, safari guides and wildlife guides called James Kidd. And he had taken this audio of some elephants out in I think it must have been Namibia and we played it for I think it was just a minute and I just asked everyone you know we turned the lights off and I just asked everyone to just listen and just to stop and you know ask their minds to kind of switch off and we played it and then it just was wonderful it set the scene and then afterwards I said right we're now going to listen to you know what the sound of extinction sounds like if we don't commit to doing and being better at supporting the environment and prioritizing nature and so I then played just a minute of absolute silence which was quite uncomfortable um, I think for a lot of people because it's very rare you do sit in total silence Um, but it really just highlighted that if we don't do anything and we don't absorb and celebrate the natural world that's what we're going to be left with Um, so that that's what that's what we did and actually you know it's wonderful that people clearly still remember it and 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 it did make an impact I think it's we get so lost in this overwhelming barrage of sounds, information and, you know, visuals, whatever it is, that sometimes you do have to just stop and be still and, and appreciate the sounds of what it sounds like now without all that kind of mad rush behind it and just hear the wildlife on its own in its natural habitat without human interaction and human footprint. Um, and then what it's going to sound like when it's when it's gone if we don't act today and, and do more um, to limit our human impact on the environment. Definitely. And I think, you know, for me, that minute of silence felt like a lifetime. It felt so long and I was almost holding my breath. And you can see that people's faces turned from smiles and and sort of happiness in listening to beautiful wildlife to then this sort of quite scared, quite stark representation of what the reality could be. And I guess for me, it was I thought, actually, this is even more a a great kind of piece of music to play. And so I think we'll have a little listen to some of this. I think it's a lot of bird song on this on this uh, track called A Quiet Moment, followed by the song that I've chosen for you, which is a sort of re-released version of Red Rain with orchestra. Um, and yeah, as I said, Peter Gabriel, English musician, and this Red Rain song that you'll hear was about a recurring dream he had. Um, and it was just something that inspired, this dream inspired him to create this piece of music. So let's have a little listen to those two now. Oh 
that was um I loved the combination of as you were saying that kind of gravelly almost rock voice over orchestral music which you very rarely hear the kind of combination together yeah definitely and I think also there's a lot of um one some of my favorite pieces of music are from rock bands who have then sort of done something where they've as I say re-released further down the line and found this love of of a classical kind of orchestration of one of their songs um but I think hopefully that's a, a good choice for you did you know that piece of music before no I've never heard it but I will be listening to it in full as soon as I get as soon as I'm uh, done later yeah, definitely. Have a little listen. It was first released in 1987, but like I said, that sort of re-release is beautiful. And he still sounds so good live today as well. Incredible. Um, Peanut or Georgina? <laughs> <laughs> why Why are you called Peanut? Let's finish on this. It's, um, I think my, my parents were convinced I was going to be a boy. So I guess they were obviously hugely underwhelmed when I turned up and uninspired without being able to think of a name. So um, it was one of those nicknames that I think it was the day before I was due to be christened or legally registered or whatever it is. And um, they were shouting out any name in the in the newspaper. So they were going through the obituaries, they were going through the editorials and any name that popped up. And um, my granddad was, I think, rather you know done with this by the end of it and he was reading the charlie brown's peanut cartoon at the bottom so just made a kind of a throwaway comment said oh for god's sake just call her peanut and so it stuck as a nickname and um it's been with me ever since (laughs) i love it so good so good i just had to get you to explain that so that i don't sound absolutely mad um but thank you so so much for your time and for sharing such wonderful gorgeous stories as well about the music in your life it's so lovely to hear and and as i mentioned at the start as well you know you're you're an absolute inspiration to me and to lots of other people and I think you know not only are you an incredibly passionate and giving person but you're a woman killing it in the world of conservation and I love it and I can't wait to see what you do next so thank you so much for your time I think the feeling is entirely mutual and you're one of my favorite people on the planet so to be invited to talk to you today has been a real pleasure and it's been wonderful so thank you very much I really hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I'd love to hear about your favourite piece of music. So make sure you pop a comment on Apple reviews with your song choice and the story behind it. I'm going to be reading out some of your stories in an upcoming minisode. Also, we've now put our guest song choices in the show notes. So if you want to hear any of their songs again, you can find them there. Thanks so much, guys, and see you next time. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 